Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Welcome to the Drive Time Show. You are live. This is, of course, like I said, a live show. 0208-6878 is the number to call if you have some profound insight to offer us or if you just want to say hi. It doesn't matter. You can call us in. You can tweet to us at Voice of Islam UK or drop us a DM on Instagram as well. And today is going to be an interesting show. I'm joined with Fahim. Assalamualaikum, Fahim. Hi, Assalam. First time actually I'm presenting with you. Yeah, it's the first time. Actually, no, it's the first time I've met you. Yeah. So you haven't even first told time. me anything about yourself. How well, can we <laughs> present when I don't even know who you are? Exactly. No, um, so my name is Fahim, obviously, um, and I've been doing this for about uh, say 18 months. Okay. It's a, it's a real passion of mine because uh, I'm in marketing. Uh, okay. As myself, I've got my own business, but right, right. this is the type of I love talking about these things. For me, um, mm. it's something that what we do here at West Islam is we always showcase and uh, highlight the fact that Islam is applicable to every part of society. That's and right. It is the solution, um, and we're going to talk about it later in, in the second hour, which uh, I'm sure we will. But that is one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about being here, and this is why I'm honoured to be joined with you. Oh no! Uh, you tell me some more about yourself as well. Let's let's learn about each other right now. <laughs> My name is Kamara. I'm 29. I'm losing hair, <laughs> and the one that the oh, hair yeah. that I have left is grey. <laughs> That's sufficient. <laughs> but, That's a great summary. I like you that. You said we're going to talk about <laughs> Islam. Is it the solution in an hour? I think mm. let's talk about it right now because we are talking about capitalism yeah. right now. Yeah. Capitalism is fundamentally what we exist in right now. Yeah. Most people don't even know what it means. Let's yeah. be honest right now. People who don't really involve themselves into finance, they'll hear things like capitalism. Yeah. But do we really understand it? And do we actually know how much of a role it plays in our lives. Is it a problem or is it just fine? And mm. if there is anything from Islam, what is there to say about it? Yeah. Let's get right into it, Fahim. Uh, we have a number of expert guests coming on today. I'm yes. really happy about that because they'll yep. be able to give us a bit of depth into this. Some good insights. But I think yeah. before we get into the expertise, we need to just talk about it from a layman's approach. Mm -hmm. And by layman, I mean me. <laughs> <laughs> so what I understand about capitalism, if yep. we just put everything to the side for a moment, is a structure which prioritizes financial success, financial gain above all else. Yeah. Capital, money that you're left over with mm. at the end of any business and transaction, that is a profit. Right. That's capitalism for yeah. me in my mind. And that seemingly doesn't sound too bad. No. A society yeah. which prioritizes, hey, if there's a business, they should have profit. Mm. And that's what you should aim for. Mm. And I think, and I'm like, okay, that actually sounds fair. I mean, <laughs> you don't want a business yeah. or a company that goes into a loss yeah. or has to liquidate and close down. That wouldn't be a system that we would want to replace capitalism yeah. with. So why on earth would we not want capitalism in our society? And this is what I kind of want to understand. Mm. Because you do hear from a lot of Muslims, hey, capitalism isn't the answer. Capitalism yeah. is a problem. Yeah. And then someone like me will be turning around and going, well, why? Because yeah, well, yeah. it's profit. Like, what's so bad about profit? Yeah. Why are you so obsessed with not letting people earn an income? And that's what I would have assumed. Yeah. But of course, that's not the whole story. Yeah. So we're going to look into this a little bit more. And I think because this is the Voice of Islam show, we need to look at what was it? What kind of time was the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, living in? He's mm. the founder of Islam after all. Mm. Did he live in a time where there was capitalism? If there wasn't capitalism, what was it that they were so fond of mm. that Muslims really want now? Yeah. If they had the choice, hey, Muslims take over 
This is your chance. What are you going to bring? What are you going to bring to the table? That's what we need to look at. And we can find that by going to the time of the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. And simply put, yeah, even Islam, from the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon his perspective, Mm. is an anti-capitalist completely. In fact, the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, himself was a trader. He was a trader. He went around buying, selling goods, obviously at a profit. I hope. <laughs> Otherwise, it would have been not that great. Yeah. His wife, Hazrat Khadija radiallahu anha, inherited a business mm-hmm. from her family. Yeah, and uh, she, for a while, was also taking part in that business. At one point, she handed that over to the Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him. But at no point did they say, "Hey, this is not right. Yeah. We shouldn't be doing this. Yeah. This is not the right way to do it." No. But what did they do? Simple answer: Islam is about finding balance. Hmm. That's what the Quran says That when you do something Find the middle way In Arabic it's called I'tidal Which yeah. means the middle way So you're not too extreme On either side So how would that apply To capitalism Simply put It is this Great Have a profit But Don't forget ethics Don't forget your morals Don't, don't forget Actually ultimately That the Quran says That the wealth of Allah Is for who? Is it for just you, so your prophet? No. no. It's for lil fuqara'i, wal aghniya'i, and, and the, the people that are on a journey, for orphans, for the poor, hmm. for those who don't have any sustenance. It's also for them as well. So an Islamic capitalist state will say, hey, we need to think about profit, hmm. but not at the expense of everything else the Quran mentions, which is those duties which we've just spoken about. Definitely. And I just think that the point about you know the middle way, right? It's don't go to the extreme on either side, right? Make sure that you don't fall into the trap of greed. And that's where I think that a lot of people are very anti-capitalist because, Mm. or capitalism, because of the greed aspect, that people are using it in the name of capitalism. They are being very, very greedy and making sure that, you know, those profits are coming with forgetting their ethics, with not treating other people, you know, you're seeing some of the biggest, largest corporations at the moment treating their workers terribly, right? Mm. So they, it's, and that's where Islam always upholds you, you know, deeds are judged by motives, right? And so it's not saying to not earn a profit, it's about making sure that you're doing it in the right way. And I think the world is actually waking up to this as well. Mm. I mean, even if you look at people who, invest in stocks and shares and ISAs and and, and things like this. Now, even businesses are very conscious that people are waking up to the fact that they are sick and tired of investing in things, even though those things might bring them back a higher percentage of annual return. But they want to know that their investment isn't going into something unethical. And therefore, businesses have now turned around and introduced Ethical ISIS. Well, ethical this, stocks. Yeah. And they've just added this word in there. Ethical this, ethical that. It's like greenwashing, yeah. right? Like, you know, yeah. how everybody's just like saying they're being part of climate change because yeah. Yeah. they know they'll get a whole load of people to it's join. It's a completely right? different yeah. argument whether they actually are ethical. We're exactly. not arguing about that right now. Yeah. But what we do know is that consumers and businesses are becoming aware that mm. uh, this is a thing that people want. They, yeah. they, they desire this. They're willing yeah. to say, hey, instead of a 12, 13% return, let me take an 8% return, yeah. but at least I can go to bed thinking, hey, it's not getting invested to, yeah. into child labor. Yeah. It's not getting invested into anything illegal. No, no one died because of this. Right. You know? like, and, and as far as they know, they'll be happy to do yeah. that. That's human nature. That's what Islam's been yeah. calling towards from day one. Yeah. And it took us a while to realize that. <laughs> no, I, I think also that um, 
it's this idea of that like I need money. I need I need like money is the only thing that will make me I, I think people are starting to understand that you need to look beyond that. That like money that you're getting and and you know there's loads of people that say that you know people who say that they don't need money are usually rich, right? Like this it's mm. usually what people people say, but I'm saying that I think that people are understanding that you need that peace, I think contentment. And when you get things in in at the cost of others like i know that deep down i feel like anybody would actually feel that what will happen is the more they do it it will become less and less mm. that they feel anything about it but there's always that and i think that you're right like people are waking up to that people are educating themselves you know we're a smaller we're a global village right like mm. we're learning what we can see right. where these factories are you know we can I see I mean this these isn't things. this isn't even something i mean when you talk about this if i you know again as a layman i'll be like oh you're talking about labor things people being treated badly yeah. you're probably talking about somewhere less economically developed hey yeah. we're talking about the united kingdom even mm. even england even london yeah. it's everywhere and to the point hey thames water hope you're listening i pay water bills to you thanks for the service and all of that but there's a statistic saying <laughs> <laughs> that you made a profit of about 200 or something million this year great good for you Shareholders took away somehow six hundred million. What mm. on earth is going over here? Mm. Uh, it's all it's all working on loans, repayments, yep. instalments. But what it means is that the shareholders are the ones that are really profiting. The yeah. people that are actually employed by Thames Water, the people that work their nine to five, mm. probably live working on lower. The one who provide the service, yeah, the, the ones who actually put yeah. the graft in, oh. they're either getting paid a lower wage, and in some cases outside of Thames Water, we're not just talking about Thames Water yeah, by yeah. the way, not just to get you yeah. minimum wage. Just about the living wage. Just an example. And this is this is what we mean by inequality, where you have, for example, the very possibility Elon Musk right now is, is flying, full-fledged, smashing it with Starlink, Tesla, yeah. talk about everything, he's got it. Well, X, and he's yeah. going for it, yeah. Yeah, X as well. And people like him and others could have a chance in the next decade of becoming the world's first trillionaire, yeah. on paper anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, but then you have the disparity where you have trillionaires and you have people who are struggling to find food mm. for their family. This is what we're talking about when it comes to, is that much profit good to the point where you are creating a society yeah. through capitalism where there are people who have got so much money that they probably don't know what to do with it. And then those people who don't know what to do because they don't have enough money. Yeah. So that's the situation where Islam would say, hey, Look at people like the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. Look yeah. at people like the Khulafa Rashidun. Why do we give their examples? We give their examples because you have people like Hazrat Abu Bakr, one, and any Muslim, to be honest, always hears this about him. He was very, very wealthy. Yeah. Okay. What did he do with it? <laughs> was he always looking for a prophet? Was well, he was, was he, he stacking it up yeah. in some bank? Was he hoarding like, it? You know, was he hoarding it? Was it sitting yeah. there in an investment? No. Was he always money-minded? Simply put, no. no. We'll come into some examples, but just to show you that in his mind, the value of humans and human beings was always at the forefront of his mind as opposed to just monetary profit. Yeah. We've all heard about Hazrat Bilal. Yeah. I think Hazrat Obaka, Hazrat Bilal are definitely the names that I guess um, we know we've all spoken to, but we will talk about this in a moment. Yes. Because we've had enough of a 
layman's introduction. Yes. That basically means me. I've been talking rubbish for enough time. <laughs> I think I should be quiet. No, we no, now we have with us it. the real deals of the show. And the first real deal we have today, yep. our guest, is Andrea Fazio, who is a junior assistant professor, a professor at Tua Vigata University of Rome. Assalamu alaikum. Peace be upon you. Welcome to the Drive Time Show. How are you doing today? Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm good. Thank you. You? Wonderful. And I love your energy. I really like Great. it. I, this is going to be good. Let's go. <laughs> so obviously, <laughs> we are talking a little bit about minimum wage in the world, the financial climate of the world, a little bit about capitalism. But we obviously here sitting here don't deal with that day to day. We're hoping that you can give us some real insight into some of the problems and solutions. And so we, we are talking, we have just touched upon before you came on a little bit about people here in the UK are living on minimum wage. You have a huge disparity where there's a gap between the rich and poor. So the, the question we kind of wanted to ask is that when you've personally looked at the impact of the introduction of the national minimum wage on UK wage earners, what did you find surprising about the tolerance of inequality? Yeah, um, actually, um, we had a study together with a, a colleague of, of mine, a quote of mine hmm. at uh, Cardiff University. And um, we exactly we look at the introduction of the uh, national minimum wage in UK. Right. And what we found is that <clears throat> actually we were we were uh, quite skeptical about the possible effects of of uh, the introduction of the minimum wage on preferences toward inequality. Okay? Right. Because I mean there are there are two possible effects. One is that. Basically, the policy is telling to the workers that they are minimum wage workers, so they are <laughs> yeah. at the bottom of the, of the distribution hey. of wage. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So the, the, the so so they they might become let's say a bit more angry about it. Okay. okay. Cool. Cool. Now the the other possible effect is that they understand the that the um, policy is going to protect them in a way. Right. Okay. So they might yeah. become more tolerant. Mm-hmm. And it, Actually, what we found is that we found an indication of, of this. Okay, so once the minimum wage has been introduced, then uh, minimum wage workers became more tolerant towards high income earners and, and inequality. Okay. Yeah. And, and just for just before we go into the next main question, I'm I'm thinking there's the the minimum wage, and there's, there's the yeah. living the living wage. What yeah. necessarily is, or why rather is there a difference between the two? Well, actually, this um, when uh, okay. So the study is on the introduction of the national minimum wage. So there wasn't the the uh, yeah. national living wage. Right, right, correct. Okay. So um, my personal take is that here, uh, here, there's a lot to do about the um, also about uh, fairness perceptions. Okay. 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 So um, actually, the policymaker what it's trying to do is trying to understand uh, how much. Workers can be exploited, let's say. <laughs> yeah, sounds okay, like so that. So how much? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, how much is good for for um, more advanced workers, let's say. Yeah. Uh, okay. How, um, I get. W- w- what's the fair wage for them? Okay. okay. So th- th- this is at least this is what I I I see in the policy because actually if you if we look at the policy then there are there are differences mainly based on age. Okay. okay. So the idea is right. really that uh, okay. how much uh, firms 
can exploit workers, let's say, and and we need to protect this this yeah. natural uh, mechanism of ex- exploitation. Yeah. Okay. So, so that's the idea. Professor, I wanted to ask you, like, how far do you think your study suggests that people desire stability over equality? Well, th- this is exactly the point. Okay, so we saw that actually. Uh, minimum wage workers be, uh, became more tolerant, okay, of inequality. So the idea is that they do not care, but that people in general may not care much about equality per se, right? But they really care about fairness, okay? So they want what they deserve, okay? Mm. That's the idea, and and this is actually this is quite in line with the literature. So also there are also um, uh, new economic studies suggesting that our brain is a big fan of fairness, but not necessarily of, in, of inequality, okay. of, of equality, sorry. Okay. okay, so we do care about fairness. Uh, we do not care necessarily about equality. So that's the idea. Okay. And, yeah. Okay, what, what does lie behind? You mentioned this tolerance, this word of tolerance. Yeah. Can you explain what do you mean by that when you say tolerance of high earners? Well, uh, actually, we uh, we matched um, people people uh, wages. Okay, so we 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 could track workers over a time span, right. and then we also got their uh, opinions and voting intentions. Okay, so okay. we just look at their opinions on whether they were more uh, willing to accept. Uh, for example, they were more or less willing to uh, suggest that the governments had to put a cap on earnings or not. Okay. Okay, so preferences of, of this kind. So uh, this this could give us an idea of, of tolerance of high, uh, ah. towards high earners or towards um, inequality. Okay, so, so now yeah, we so that's kind the, of understand yeah. that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what, yeah. what lies behind this tolerance of high earners amongst people on the national minimum wage? Well, actually, the, the basic idea is, is more on a psychological side. In the sense that uh, the minimum wage is, um, can be a focal point for for minimum wage workers. Okay, so they really know how much they are paid, okay. and every year they really know uh, their increase in pay, and they know that 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 that, that is what they get. Okay. And sounds like stability. So uh, okay. so the idea is that they they are stable, and they get a, a wage that they. Um, understand can be a fair wage for okay. the work okay, okay. so th- this is the idea while in a work without minimum wage you really don't know okay what's your hourly wage for example okay so the minimum wage is real really a reference point okay, okay. so they really n- knew what what they are what they were going to get right and so with that in mind conservative politicians or you know often it's said that conservative politicians worry greater government interventions like the minimum wage uh, is going to like kind of turn people away from conservatives and towards the Labour Party. Have you seen any evidence of this in your research? Yeah, actually we found the, the opposite. So that was very interesting. Yeah, because we knew that the policy was introduced by the Labour Party. Right. But then we saw that uh, once the minimum wage was introduced, uh, minimum wage uh, recipients were more likely to uh, have a preference for conservative parties. So actually we interpreted these as possibly the fact that uh, people became more 
um, pro-market oriented. Mm, okay. okay. So, mm-hmm. the, so once they are protected from the uh, um, unfairness of the market, then they are more likely to uh, join the market. Let's say, okay. So to support the market in a sense. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Professor, you've kind of explained what to me sounds like some of the pros and cons of almost a minimum wage system where you say it brings in that kind of stability. People know they're protected. People know at least I'm going to walk away with something here. Mm. There's no, there's nothing that I'm, I'm going to be unpredictable about. And that you've said that they care more about fairness. They're not necessarily concerned about equality because they want to yeah. be paid for literally what they're putting in. My question to you is keeping all of this in mind, uh, do you think that companies could generally pay people more, or is the minimum wage that we're set up, set out good? Well, this this really depends on on the on the uh, uh, economic situations. Okay. Okay. So, I mean, uh, for example, at the time of the introduction of the minimum wage, the minimum wage was very affordable. So, also the wage increase by firms it was very affordable. Okay. There were no employment effects, so uh, all um, I mean, me, almost all the firms were were compliant. So, okay, uh, okay so so it, th- that was possible, and um, I mean, I think in principle, we 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 need to think a bit about it. And but in uh, when we when it comes to uh, wages. Hmm. So we know that the minimum wage, for example, is, is protecting low-wage earners. Yeah. Okay. But we should also perhaps think about uh, other kind of workers. So, for example, middle-wage earners. Yeah. Because there, there, there could be a problem of, of, of inequality. I mean, for example, we have the salary of the managers that are really, really high. Okay. And uh, we really don't know whether... Fair point. Uh, okay. Whether whether it's 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 good or not, also I mean, is this reflecting the real productivity or not? Right, right. So this is a a real question. So, so you I think mean, this, is, probably, this is a big question. You so think there's probably perhaps, more of a gray area in like the kind of the middle area yeah. of employment. Okay. Yeah. So so that that there could be some some okay. uh, possibility to increase hmm. uh, wages or perhaps to yeah. let's say some way understand how all the wages could be set so that every worker is, is, is fair enough and yeah. and and and, the, and firms are happy right. as well cool yeah professor andrea thank you very much for coming on giving us a bit more insight into this because now we're starting to draw the picture we appreciate your time we'd love to have you back on another time thank you very much Thank you. Thank you very much. Peace be upon you. That was you. Professor Andrea Fazio, who's an assistant professor at Torvegata University in Rome. And we just spoke to him about the minimum wage here in the UK. The pros of it are stability. People yeah. want fairness. They want all of that. But that's a benchmark, right? Yeah, yeah, it exists at the bottom of the spectrum. There's mm. nothing like that, as the professor indicated, in the middle part of, of, yeah. the, of the market and nor, nor in the top part. There's no leash at the other end. Yeah. So while there is a rule that says we won't pay you any less than this, yeah. there's no rule saying, hey, we won't pay you, mo- we will not pay you any more than this either. Yeah. So if someone could be a manager, and actually I randomly was watching uh, something yesterday. Yeah. Uh, this was sort of a middle market, I would say. It just turned uh, up on your TV. Uh, yeah, it literally turned <laughs> up. Labor, labor, yeah. la- not my TV, my phone. <laughs> uh, I have to be uh, more uh, credible on this. Yeah. Two laborers doing exactly the same job yeah. by the same but they work for the same employer mm. 
10 years later, they found out they had a 10K pay gap for doing exactly the same thing. Yeah, I've been in that situation. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Strange things like that do happen. And for people who live in that, they know the realities of what that feels like. So obviously you. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. So uh, in my case, it was like nepotism. Um, oh, okay. So, uh, you know, someone... well, we, we've already heard one ism, which is capitalism. <laughs> you need to tell everybody what is, what is nepotism first. Well, it's, it's where... Um, through a relative or a friend yes. they give you okay. an advantage right? so you get people like, get preferential treatment basically. based on something whatever yeah. exactly yeah. so that's happened where like you know someone was brought in to do a very same job as a very similar job to me uh, was being paid a lot more as starting salary okay. um, and that continued to happen even so, though I like, his, passed yeah. them okay yeah. that's interesting so all of these things are, are definitely issues they're all different yeah. issues but they do exist and fundamentally as Muslims we believe that this occurs when people do not believe that God is watching over them. They yeah. do not have this conscious in them that, hey, God's given me a responsibility to treat people fairly, yeah. to treat people in a way that they are feel supported. Yeah. And if I don't, I know that I'm not fulfilling my pledge to God. They don't have people consciously don't think like that. Which is justice. Yeah. Right. It's it's being just in every single interaction. Right. If someone had thought, okay, you know what? How would someone feel? Like, like you know, you just said someone found out after ten years. Imagine That's they're gonna the time. first thing they they're gonna think of is ten k times ten years and work out. I mean, I would have had that much extra. Yeah, money. I mean, I don't know if they've been able to, if they were able to pursue anything legally or yeah. not. Um, but you know, that was my attention span. I just skipped it. There's more about you than there's more about me, guys. Yeah. yeah, but the point is that that does happen. Yeah. And just before we had Professor on, we were talking about. Exactly. Then, what does Islam have to offer? Because we, if if you can't just claim something, yeah. hey, this is what it should be like. But did they actually do it? Yeah. Did the Muslims actually live up to this? Mm. We, like I said, we had Abu Hazrat Abu Bakr, and we have Hazrat Bilal, yeah. which are two very renowned companions of the Holy Prophet. Mm -hmm. Most kids hear about them growing up. Yeah. Hazrat Abu Bakr was not only a renowned companion; later came became the first Caliph of Islam. Yeah. Hazrat Abu Bakr radiAllahu an, who was an Abyssinian, originally before Islam came, he was a slave, owned by Umayyah. And what was the situation? That Umayyah used to beat him, torture him. And when Islam came around, Azza Bilal became a Muslim. Yeah. He liked the idea of equality, mm -hmm. that the fact that he as a black man with little to no importance because he was a slave yeah. could be respected in society. And Islam wanted to give him freedom. So he accepted it. Umayyah bin Khalf said, hey, if you don't leave Islam, I'm going to beat you every day. And you would yeah. take him out onto the sands. And we know the story. Yeah. What, but how was he freed? Hazrat uh, uh, Bilal was outside and, and Hazrat Abu Bakr anhu, he was passing by and he saw him, yeah. Hazrat Bilal, a slave. And in those days, a normal person wouldn't have looked twice. Yeah. But Hazrat Abu Bakr stopped. He said, this is a human being and he's as a Muslim as well. Yeah. Um, and Umayyah said, hey, uh, Abu Bakr, I'll, give, I'll, I'll, I'll free him on one condition. You give me 10 gold shillings. Oh. 10 gold shillings at that time was a ridiculous amount of money yeah. so everyone in the area started laughing because yeah. they, they they basically knew that this was a joke yeah, he, yeah, he's yeah. not going to do it yeah like uh, what, what what person in their right mind for example yeah. Umayyah hadn't even stopped laughing yeah, yet yeah. that Abu Bakr threw those 10 shillings at his feet yeah. he said take it I'll, I'll let Bilal go free and Umayyah started laughing even more do you know what Umayyah said mm. he said listen Abu Bakr I would have freed him even if you had um, offered me 3 shillings for him and he thought this was quite funny. Do you know how Abu Bakr responded? I would have freed him even if he told me to pay a hundred. Oh, yeah. Who lost out? Exactly. Umayyah lost out. 100%. The point is that Abu Bakr valued people above his money. Yeah. 
This is what I'm talking about. But yeah. anyway, we will come back to this later. We yes. have more real deals in the show right now, <laughs> more experts to speak to right now to kind of understand the situation we have with us. Dave Darby, who is a founder of a Low Impact, and it's a website, lowimpact.org. And we're going to find out a little bit about this. Welcome, Dave, to our show, Drive Time Show. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well, thank you. Thank you very much. We really appreciate your time. So you have a website, lowimpact.org. And we first of all want to know, what is that? Because you you do speak in here. We're going to speak about this heavily in the show as well. So it's good to start with you. A mutual credit system. Could yeah. you explain, first of all, what on earth is that? <laughs> how does it work? And how is it a little bit different from the way we would normally apply for credit nowadays? Ah, well, it's not like, um, you know, the general system of credit uh, because there's no money involved at all. So how does that work then? Uh, well, I suppose you could say it's it's more like an accounting system. It's accounting for who's done what for whom in the community. Okay. So if, for example, there's an, a network of local businesses that trade with each other. Yeah. Uh, they can have a mutual credit system amongst themselves. Okay. Uh, and each business gets an account. Okay. So if you sell something to another business in the network, your account goes up and theirs okay. goes down by exactly the same amount. Okay. Uh, but it's just numbers in the account, not money. It's just numbers. It just accounts for who's done what. Okay. Uh, and what? So, okay. Yes, go ahead. Go ahead, please. Yeah, and because there's no money involved, there's no interest charged. Okay. And I know... Um, I know that charging interest on loans is is uh, is problematic in Islam. In fact, I think it's banned, isn't it? Yes, to some degree, it's not. It's definitely not promoted. But why? Or let's question this. How would this work? You said that your your system wouldn't have money inside it. That would, in return, remove the need for loans which work on interest. How would you actually make that work? Because this sounds a bit theoretical to me. So we would ap approach a network of businesses. So, for example, we're partner partnering with an organization called Mutual Credit Services. Okay, okay. Uh, and they provide all the software and they pro okay. provide the accounting system. So they're working with uh, Liverpool City, City. They're working to build a big credit clearing network in Liverpool. Okay. Uh, and it, so they're working is... with the City Council. They're working okay. with the Federation of Small Businesses, the Chamber of Commerce. So they're talking with business networks. And so they can provide the software and the accounting system for the existing business networks. Okay. And then each business, each business gets an account. And exactly as I said, yeah. they can they can carry on trading with their normal trading partners, but they oh, wow. don't have to use money. So it really, really helps with their cash flow. Okay. So Mike, so, uh, I'll, I'll ask one quick question. Mm -hmm. Who loses out in this? I beg your pardon? Who would lose out in this? Who would lose out? Yeah, uh, it's just a question that I'm wondering. Who would lose out in this? Well, would it be the banks? Would it be someone I else? Yeah, I suppose if anybody at all loses <laughs> out, it would be the banks, yes. <laughs> so that's that's what I'm trying to figure out. So who would win in this? Just for the, I'm asking really basic questions. Who would win in this? Well, the small businesses. So um, uh, Slovenia, the country of Slovenia, has had a national credit clearing system for since 1992. Really? Since independence, okay. yes. Oh, and they've done research on, on the small businesses in, in uh, Slovenia. And the, for the small businesses in the scheme, uh, this, this kind of scheme represents a saving in the need for hard cash by 25%. Wow. So that's, that's massive. It's a massive reduction in the need of, for actual cash. 
Dave, why have you not come to the show before? <laughs> well, well, you, you say this. There's a there's something called the International Reciprocal Trade Association, and, and that's a trade body for what they call them is commercial barter schemes. Okay. But actually, it's not barter because you don't have to find somebody who's got what you want and who wants what you've got. That's barter. Mm-hmm. It's not like that. You trade with the entire network. So uh, that's an international, but it's very commercial, very capitalistic. But um, the total amount of trade they estimate in mutual credit around the world each year is $14 billion worth of trade. So it's, okay. not, a, it's not a small thing. Right. Uh, but we're we're talking about building mutual credit schemes which are owned by the community. Excellent. So I, I want to clarify something. So is it? It's basically on. It feels like you've mo- uh, put a number to favors, right? So it's like I, I'm not. I don't think I'm grasping it properly. You're saying that. So without the need for money, you essentially are providing these services to other companies, and then you just trade, and then you have numbers that represent how many times you've helped another company not helped just trade so so if I say for example you're a uh, oh I think of a business any kind so you're an accountant okay yeah and you do the accounts for a business yeah. and you charge them say you charge them a hundred pounds that would be a very cheap accountant yeah, yeah, but, of <laughs> <laughs> for so instead of so if in your mutual credit system if if the if, if the value of one credit is one pound but you don't actually need a pound it's just numbers so if you're an accountant and you charge 100 credits to do the accounts for another business, and you then you will get 100 credits in your account. So if another uh, business in the network, if another business in the network okay. network is selling something that you want for, for 100 100%. credits, you can buy it. You can buy you, it because you you've got 100 credits. You basically created a new currency. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it's, it's awesome. not. Yeah. it's not necessary. It's more okay. of an accounting system, so you can mm. see who's done what for whom. And so, so. But it sounds cool. Okay, okay. Yeah. How you you said that this is? I mean, you've already just explained that you're you're doing things with this here in the UK. Is this something that's quite recent, or has it um, been around for a while? Uh, well, actually, the banks do credit clearing amongst themselves. So, so every oh. day the bank the, the banks don't pay all the debts that they owe, owe each other. They don't do that. Yeah, yeah. They just they just they just tally up everything at the end of the day, mm. and they just clear it. So, so for example, if I owe you ten pounds and you owe me ten pounds, neither of us have to go and find ten pounds. Yeah. yeah. Do we? We just clear it. So right. that's the, that's the same for huge business networks. Got it. You can find you, you. We've got algorithms that can find out Excellent. who owes who what, and you can at the end of the day you can tally it up and say right, and you can just wipe off millions of pounds of, of debt within a, within a city for sure. Okay. So it's very very good for small businesses. Okay, okay, okay. So with what little I know, and but you've you've really managed to explain it really well, and I'm yeah. telling you, Dave, you, the fact that I the fact that I can grasp this means that a lot of people can grasp this. <laughs> Let's put it that way. I think small business small small business people are very canny. They'll they'll get it right away, and they do. <laughs> this is excellent. But you you kind of explained this, and I and in in your terminology, you've also used commons economy. Yes. Yes. I mean, I don't know much, but does that sound a little bit about a little bit like communism? Oh no, no, no! It's a, it's it's actually the opposite of communism. So, could you please explain? Well, I mean, so if 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 violent men, if violent people seize power and promise to distribute it to communities, they never do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Com- commu- yeah. Communism is about state control. Uh, and commons is about building a new economy from communities. It's nothing cool. to do with the state at all. Okay. Uh, 
and I understand why. Uh, uh, yeah, I understand why Muslims don't think much of communism because <laughs> yeah, the, the two the two don't mix very well, do they? <laughs> no, I understand it. So that's why I was asking. I mean, I just wanted to yes. clarify it from your point of view that that's exactly what it is. It sounds like the only similarity. The only similarity. The only similarity is the first four letters. <laughs> <laughs> okay, got it. Got it. It's the exact opposite. Okay, excellent. So, so the, so the commons, the commons is based on yeah. uh, is somebody called Eleanor Ostrom. Eleanor Ostrom's commons principles. And it's all about local people owning and controlling their own resources. Okay. Uh, and there are new commons ideas now that will um, they'll prevent uh, corporations or capitalist businesses right. from, buy, from buying community assets hmm. away from the community. And it removes the, needs for, the need for banks and it allows different towns to federate, you know, to start to build a new economy. Okay. Right. So... You mentioned that we need to be prepared for every collapse scenario. What does that mean? And what do you mean by that? That's a good question. I mean, I think it's becoming less controversial now. I think more okay. and more people are realizing that the current system is, is destroying nature, uh, which is our life support system, uh, and that's very dangerous. You know, biodiversity loss and climate change are accelerating, and they're, they're out of our control now. Hmm. And I think there's going to be more and more drought and desertification, uh, which will mean mass migration and food price increases and eventually food shortages. Uh, maybe social unrest, maybe more wars for resources. Uh, and, and while all this is happening, 2008 showed us, you know, just how fragile capitalism is. Hmm. Uh, and and there, are other there are other curve balls, for example, more pandemics, uh, because destruction of nature means that remote wild animals will come into contact more with humans for the first time. Right. Uh, and and antibiotic wow. antibiotic resistance is accelerating. Mm. And I think all, all, all civilizations collapse at some point. Uh, and there's a big risk uh, that, that you know, Western civilization uh, will start to collapse too. There, there's a book by Joseph Tainter, The Collapse of Complex Societies. It's about how societies become more and more complex. Right. And more and more and more resources have to go into just maintaining that complexity and bureaucracy right. rather than providing the essentials of life. I'm going to ask a really silly question. And I think you've already answered it. But just in case you haven't, I want to go ask on. you, how are you going to, or not you particularly, Dave, but how are we going to <laughs> undo capitalism, corporate capitalism? Oh, we're not going to we're not going to try and undo it or confront it. We're just going to we're just going to start building things in communities, hmm. and hopefully people will see. You know, if we can provide uh, affordable housing with security of tenure, because you're a member, it's a community-owned thing that you're a yeah, member of, interesting, yeah. and it provides jobs um, and, and and affordability. You know, we won't have to really try and persuade people that hard. Yeah, <laughs> people will really go for these things. They really would. Do you think that? Capitalism may be running its course short. And it uh, just between you and me. Oh. And, and everybody who's listening. Let me yes, turn the mic. Yes, I, <laughs> <laughs> I do, yes. I, I, I think it, it uh, damages nature so badly. But as I say, I'm, we're not... Uh, we're not taking to the streets and confronting yeah. anybody. We're, we're just building useful things in communities. You, you, you mentioned that. You, this is what you're doing. You're, you're kind of taking action. You, and yeah. This is what I yeah. finally wanted to talk to you about, actually, is that you, your ideas on community action have produced some, some kind of result. Could you tell us a little bit about what that, what that is? Well, we, 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 we're, we're 
So, so we're working in partnership with Mutual Credit Services, and they're designing models for the Commons economy. That we're right. we're actually working with a group called Stroud Commons. So it's Stroud, the town Stroud Commons, stroudcommons.org. Right. Uh, and we're and we're trying to Im- implement uh, those models in Stroud. And we we have a core group, plus a group looking into building a land Commons, a housing Commons, and a leisure Commons. Uh, but it's not just Stroud. We're talking with people setting up groups in about 20 other towns in the UK. Uh, plus in India, Nigeria, Costa Rica, Sweden, and the U.S. Um, could could I just ask you a question? Talking about uh, yeah globally, um, could I just ask you a question? Go I, for I don't it. know if you know the answer, but um, probably not. But go for it. <laughs> <laughs> so Islam is um, non-materialistic and spiritual, and but um, um, Dubai and Qatar are are making Islam just as capitalist as the West. I mean, how do you reconcile Dubai with Islam? Do you know how I reconcile it? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll give you, you the answer. Go Islam on. was invented in, well, not invented, in 534. Saudi was invented in 1934. We don't equate the two at all, to be honest with you. And well, that's, okay. that, that's, that's the fundamental answer from my point of view. You might, you, you will definitely speak to, you speak to 10 different Muslims, they might give you a different answer. Some might be more right. affiliated. Personally, from my point of view, I'm, I'm actually an imam. Don't quote me on this. But yeah, <laughs> I personally feel like they're not going in the right direction with that. And that's my honest answer to you. Right, okay, okay. That makes sense. Dave, you make more sense than anybody in the room right now. And I'm just wondering, <laughs> what, where where have you been? Like, what's been, what's happening? <laughs> but, but we really appreciate everything that you've been doing and we hope that you continue to do it and raise awareness. We've got your website. I think I should, you know what, we should probably reiterate um, lowimpact.org for anybody yeah. that's listening right now who's really a bit more curious about what is actually going on and maybe you just like me you've heard about this for the first time this is the place to go lowimpact.org thank you very much Dave for coming thank, on the thank show thank you very much and we, if, your time. if you go to that website and subscribe to the blog you, you'll be able to keep up to speed in any new developments appreciate it thank awesome. you very much Dave wonderful to have you on and we'll thank you very you much a pleasure thank you that was Bye-bye. Dave Darby and as we already know now not only is he a founder of lowimpact.org, but he's yeah. working towards High impact. a mutual credit <laughs> system. And it's going to, sounds great. Yeah. Let's see what happens with that over the coming, well, hopefully, few years. Definitely. And, you know, we've, we did just touch upon it at the end yeah. of the law. How do you, you have countries like Saudi, yeah. you have other Muslim countries, you have the Muslim League. Mm. Okay. Do these countries, in any way portray what an Islamic economic system should look like. I mean, let's not talk about all of them. He, he mentioned Dubai. Yeah, Dubai, among other things, is opening up many other things, which which I would never have imagined even 10 years ago. Well, not just Dubai. It's Saudi as well. Yeah, yeah I mean, <laughs> so, I wouldn't have imagined it. Yeah, We're, we're talking about business deals. Uh, we could even just talk about the Israeli deal. I'm not going to talk about that right yeah. now. Okay, just even that mm-hmm. alone. What on earth? Okay. There's, we we all, need another hour for that. Yeah, we have <laughs> nightclubs opening. We mm-hmm. have things with, you know, clubs, pubs, alcohol, casinos, you know, casinos um, singers going across. Mm. What on earth is going on over there? Is, is is a really big question mark for me. I know there will be probably a lot of Muslims who will be like, hey, how dare you? Yeah, how dare you challenge it? destination. <laughs> I mean, I, I honestly, it's, it's, I'm lost for words. Um, yeah. And, and it, it, is, it is important because then you get people, as Dave quite rightly questioned, yeah. is that Islam? Say Islam, yeah. Is that Islam then? Is that I mean, what you you kind of talk about something else and then you go and go ahead and do something else, and I think, like I said, from the beginning of the show, it's always a case 
where we'd have to go back to the time when the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. Yeah. We will do that yeah. soon, soon. <laughs> because <laughs> we are so lucky today that we yeah. have quite a few real deal experts yes. with us. So far, it's been so excellent. And I'm sure with uh, Islam Makalukh, there will not be any different, who is a community share standard manager at Cooperative UK. Welcome to the show. Peace be upon you. How are you doing today? Hello, I'm very, very well. How are you? Oh, thank you. You seem energetic as well. So I'm really <laughs> hoping this is going to be good. So first of all, first of all, Cooperatives UK, a recent cooperative and mutual economy report puts the annual income of the sector at almost 90 billion pounds. That's a, that's a lot more zeros than I can even kind of think <laughs> of. And, and positions co-ops as more resilient and businesses that do more for people and communities. Could you explain to our listeners what on earth a cooperative is, first of all, and not just to our listeners, but also to me, please, <laughs> and how they're different from anything else. <laughs> yeah, of course. I think, actually, I was listening to the, the show, and Dave has done a great job already. Okay. I think a lot of the models he was talking about right. are kind of cooperative in nature and kind of brings it to life. And when you were talking earlier about what is capitalism, um, I was thinking maybe framing it in the sense of we know what racism is, we know what sexism is. Yeah. Capitalism, in my mind, then gives primacy and priority to the people that bring capital yeah. into a business. Got so it. all businesses yeah. need capital, mm. right? They need labor, they need workers, they need suppliers, and they need customers. Okay. That's all businesses. Capitalism, as we see it in most places, and you mentioned the water companies, they prioritize the providers of capital right. over other stakeholders. Okay. Yeah. Cooperatives, on the other side, uh, are, are the, democratically are the owned by their members. Ah, right? okay, That's you are the, the antichrist. Thing. Okay, I see. <laughs> what? No, not quite. So, let's just say anti-villains or, or maybe superheroes. Let's, let's, let's leave it at that. Superheroes. Let's, let's do that. So, yeah, so cooperatives are owned by their members and their members tend right. to be either their workers. You know, we have worker co-ops. Okay. We have supplier cooperatives that works a lot in agricultural settings where okay. farmers come together to supply their produce collectively. We have customer cooperatives. So a lot of the retail co-ops like the co-op that you might know oh. are owned by their customers. Yeah. They're not owned by external shareholders. Is that why they're called the co-op? So, Surprise, surprise. Yeah. What? Mind blown. <laughs> <My> blown. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just saw the light bulb go off. <laughs> wow. Okay, please carry on. That was just me being weird. Okay, let's go. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's the, the critical thing there is that in terms of like the legal governing structure that sits behind cooperative businesses, all these different categories uh -huh. of stakeholders have an equal say or have a say in the running of the business in a way that most companies, big companies, not so much small businesses, right, have shareholder profit as top level objective. Whereas for most cooperatives, it's about community benefit, it's about member benefit, but they still have to be profitable businesses. At yeah. the end of the day, they're still trading. And what we've found in our research that you mentioned is that in the first five years of trading, on average in the UK, only about 38% of companies make it to the five-year kind of mark, oh. whereas 83% of co-ops make it to the five-year mark. Wow. Okay. And also, co-ops have just existed for like maybe at least 200 years in the UK. It's not a new model, but they are like very resilient because okay. they're, they're serving that long-term purpose, not just short-term profit and gain. So you mentioned that... Um you know, there's, these cooperatives are outperforming other types of businesses. So could you give us some of those, ex some examples of this? 
Yeah, um, of course. I mean, outperforming is about your metrics as well, mm-hmm. right? So this is not just about like, who's making the most like profit sales at or? the end of the day. It's, I think it's about much more about sustainability in terms of the business itself, looking after workers, looking after their labor right. providers. Yeah. It's also about environmental sustainability. So we've seen quite a lot of community-owned cooperatives running renewable schemes, hydroelectric, solar panels, that kind of thing, because they're wanting to tackle climate change, but also provide a resource in their local community. Hmm. Um, And then I wanted to mention as well, because I've done some work last year with a mufti, with Amana Advisors in Leicester, on looking at Sharia-compliant cooperatives. Ah. Okay. As well, it's kind of interesting because there's so many, so much crossover he perceived in the values and principles that you yeah, mentioned. It really does seem like with that. co-ops. You know, how do we fairly? Islamic finance is about kind of better sharing of risk and reward hmm. instead of extracting interest at all costs. Right, right. And cooperatives have this mechanism called the dividend or the yeah. divi. You might have heard yes, of. So at the end of the year. The profits are shared equitably between the members, whether that's, that's right. the workers or the suppliers. So everybody, so if it's a good year, everybody does well. If it's a bad year, everybody shares in that as well. Wow. Okay. Rather than, oh, we just have to pay the bank at all costs and then everyone takes a hit. You know, it's about changing that dynamic. And I think it makes businesses, it's not just about more successful from a record profit perspective. Hmm. It's more successful from okay. a long term resilience perspective okay i'm just wondering i mean you've got you've got a social media account at cooperatives uk i believe that's instagram i believe i'm just wondering for someone who's listening who's got a business or they're thinking about starting a business and they're like what like what on earth where do they go what do they do you yeah i think it's a minefield right now trying to start a business there's so many different models it's like social enterprise sole trader, you know, so many different models out there. And I, I think co-ops just add to that confusion, potentially, for people. <laughs> I, I totally appreciate that. And I think Dave mentioned something about, like, complexity and chaos. Right. I'm slightly worried that we lose the beauty and simplicity of co-ops because of legislation and all of that stuff. But Cooperatives UK is great. We're a membership body, but we also support New Start Co-ops to start up. So we have funding, we have specialist advisors. So like you say, our website is uk.coop. Um, people could go on. There's a whole bit on start a new cooperative. There's loads of case studies on the website as well. So people can have a look and see if they can find something that aligns right. to them. And then we have a friendly group of advisors spread all across the UK. I'm up in Scotland, oh, even more Manchester, friendly than you. in London. Collectively, oh, we're collectively. Really <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're always happy to chat to folk and just see is this the right business model for cool. you? I think we're running a series of workshops as well. If folk want to go and meet other people in person and hear from other co-ops about their experience, how they set up, because co-ops take all different shapes and sizes. There's no one size fits all. Okay. But the common thread has to be like we're working together. This is this, this is the main takeaway point for me because yeah. the way you really wonderfully explained capitalism where it puts gives preference to those who bring capital here you're you're not just thinking about that from a unilateral approach where that's probably mm. also a little bit important but you're thinking about so much more sustainability social life and 
that's a huge claim to make, though, is it not? And I'm, I'm trying to say is, what is it exactly that you you did touch on it a bit? What is it that you're going to bring forward? How will this system strengthen, for example, social relationships? How will it be better for the planet, for the environment? How will mm. communities on a local level feel like, hey, we have control? How, how though? Like, what is it doing that? Yeah, I think it's a really good question. And, you know, when I talked about that resilience stat and how I think co-ops are quite hard to kill because they're so resilient, That's one thing, yeah. I also think they're quite hard to start. Okay. <laughs> it's hard work to start a co-op. Like, you could tomorrow start a company and start trading something yourself. Yeah, okay. It's a very different thing to say, let's get a group of people together, or a lot of the work I do is community cooperatives. Is how do we as a community agree on what our community needs? And what's the best way to take that forward? Mm. Um, so an example of one we worked with in the Sharia compliant um, project as well was a group in Dewsbury okay. and in West Yorkshire. And there was like a derelict shopping arcade there that had just been left to fall into ruin. It was like a blight in the town center. The community has set up a community cooperative to take back that shopping center into community ownership that way they can support other small local businesses provide a social space for the community provide training opportunities for the community and you know that's taken a few years but now they've raised all the finance they need to do it they're getting started on the renovation for the site and it is in a diverse community which you know has to you know be kind of meeting people in the middle and finding something that supports everyone so maybe that's that's a big example in terms of a big yep, community yep. project, but th- that's where the cooperative model can work really well because right. it creates that platform to say we're all working for the greater no, good this on this. great. I mean, you're not only talking yeah. the talk, but you've, wa- you've walked the walk. And that's really... But it really... is hard work. Oh, yeah. of course. Yeah. But th- that's th- that's a lot of new information for us. Thank you very much, Isla, for coming on today, uh, giving us this insight. Like you've already said, they are you are at Cooperatives UK on Instagram. I mean, that would be the easiest place for me to reach. And could you quickly repeat... The website, please. Yeah, it's www.uk.coop, C-O-O-P, and they can find everything they need there. Thank you very much. Thanks so much for having me. Appreciate your time. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, so that was Isla McCulloch, who was a community share standard manager at Cooperatives UK. Too much to learn. I'm I'm a bit like, I'm not going to be honest with you, like, I'm I'm a bit mind blown right now. (laughs) I told you I was a bit tired before the show, (laughs) and now I'm just... Like yeah, there should be steam coming out of my head. Yeah. Like, it's like, whoa, okay, overload. This is a really unique information that we've got today for a lot of people that are thinking about pursuing a business, anything like that. This is. This I, I great. also loved the fact that your your face when you realised that it was the cop. Uh, that, oh really? Yeah. You should have filmed it. Too I should have. I should have filmed now, it. Now nobody sorry, will ever see that ever again, and I'm, I'm happy. Sorry, it's okay. It's going to live yeah, in my my like, um, mind rent free. Isla, she, she did say that she spoke to these three compliance, mm. right? And I. I and I think that's great because there is a lot of parallels between what we've heard today and what mm-hmm. we've heard b- between what Islam promotes. Yep. It is ultimately this. We have people like Hazrat Uthman radiallahu an. He was a trader. He was yep. a businessman. But he didn't just think about that. He's, like, yep. he's not just thinking about money. He's thinking about welfare as well. He's thinking about his people to the point where if there's a drought in Medina, he comes back. He's just bought tons of goods from, from Syria, yep. from Abyssinia. And he's supposed to sell them, but he doesn't. Oh. Because he knows it's a time of famine or a drought, he gives it out for free. Yeah, that's a mindset. But it's it's also the fact that you know charity, why it's so emphasised in Islam is because you will eradicate a lot of these problems, right? Because if you yes, you amass wealth, right? No one's saying you shouldn't amass wealth, but it's remembering others and giving to others, and that circulation of money it 
it's it creates a community that like can grow itself right because if people don't have money they can't spend then your businesses are going to go so if you give your money out yeah then they will come buy from your business and then you'll get the money and it's like a circle right and and that's the whole purpose of it you're absolutely right so whether it's charity whether it's islamic idea or finance yeah. or whether it's even these cooperatives mm. the, all they're ultimately trying to do is saying hey we are not a person we are a people mm. and that's what i find really common in the themes of everything that we've spoken about yeah. today that probably just is what it is yeah as long as we keep in mind that we are a people we have responsibilities that we not only are owed, but we owe to people. Yeah. We'll be all right. It's selfishness, right? Like the, the thing is selfishness and greed is where I think capitalism has gone wrong, right? Like that's where there's that one person benefiting or a group yeah. of small people, a small amount of people that are benefiting off a lot of other people. Yeah. And we must end off by saying that actually His Holiness Hazrat has mentioned capitalism yeah. and he's, set, he's warned the capitalists that don't think that your, your system will last forever. Yeah. It, it has cracks showing in it and it probably will fall yeah. just like Dave probably thought it will as yeah. well. We better be ready with whatever systems we have in place for that. And we're going to now obviously take a short break for the news yeah. and come back for our next topic which is Is Islam still compatible with the UK? We'll find out right yeah. after the break. Assalamu alaikum wa Peace be upon you. Welcome back to the Drive Time Show. We are live and the number to call in is 0208-687-7878. But do not call in if you are actually driving because then it's actually drive time for you unless you have Bluetooth connected. You're all good. And don't tweet to is, us either. But this is the Drive Time Show. Yeah, but don't tweet to us. I'm trying to do reverse psychology. Yeah. Don't tweet to us if you're driving yeah, yeah. or DM us. But, but the tag is Voice of Islam UK just in case you want. So, so yeah are you, are you trying that whole thing Like don't think about an elephant And then make someone Just think about an elephant That type of idea Oh no man I've got elephant in my head <laughs> That's how it works huh Yeah Okay Good stuff We are now going to be speaking about Islam Is Islam yeah. relevant And because this is the voice of Islam We better do this right Yeah <laughs> There's a lot There's a lot riding on this <laughs> Better not mess this up <laughs> So so, so we know what the answer is going to be, right? Yeah, guys. I, 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 I don't want to ruin the story for you, but yeah. Anyway, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. <laughs> but you know what? No, not spoiler alert. Mm. Because Islam is outdated, isn't it? Fifteen hundred years old. No, it's timeless. Yeah, but it is fifteen hundred years old. Oh, it is fifteen hundred years old. We're not saying. Uh, it depends what you mean by outdated. I mean, it's like old. Yeah, it's old, but it doesn't mean it's not relevant. I mean, like. Here's the thing, yeah. It's, Something it's, could be old it's, and it's, relevant. It's, okay, let me tell you why. Yeah. It's fifteen hundred years ago mm. in a country that doesn't speak English. Yeah. With cultures and traditions that probably don't have that much to do with today. Yeah. Or at least I would assume. Yeah, times have changed massively, yeah. So how is it relevant? How is it important? Okay, there's that, yeah. Yeah. There's a time where a a a person who lived in Arabia you didn't, really ha- didn't have to be a Muslim even. If they got ill or they got unwell, mm. they didn't have that many options, okay? Mm. They would uh, pray to Allah. That's the Muslims for you, okay? Yeah. If they were not a Muslim, they were in the Quraysh, they probably prayed to the idols. Stones, pieces yeah. of wood. Uh, as the Quran mentions, there were mm. idols called Hubal, Baal, whatever. Mm. That's what they would do. Today, if you're ill, you take a paracetamol. So has the power system will not replace Islam? <laughs> okay, I hear what you're trying to say there, but... I like, like, no, yeah. I'm not even done yet. I'm like, okay. Or like, you know, 
I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> I'm Go just on. saying, like, in, in, in Saudi, it, it, not Saudi, sorry, I must not use that. In Arabia, 6th century Arabia, mm. you have a guy can't find food. Mm. He makes a sacrifice to his God, mm. prays to his God. And then, you know, maybe he gets food, maybe he doesn't. Yeah. If, if you can't find food at 11 o'clock at night, what do you do? Uber eats. Yeah. Or delivery or one so, of the others. Yeah. yeah. Didn't that replace religion? <laughs> no, not at all. Why? <laughs> Just because you, you, you're reducing Islam to getting what you need. Okay. Right? Like you're, you're reducing it to just like a service provider of certain things, right? You're reducing it to, okay, if I'm sick, I'm going to get better, right? Yeah, okay, like, fair enough. Go on then. Right? So with Islam, it's a way of life. It will okay. bring you contentment. Content. You like There's so much unrest in the world. Yeah. There's so much that like people are feeling. There's a you know, rise in mental health. There's economic situations. Right, you're saying that, okay, cool, like... You can order Uber Eats or you can get a paracetamol like if you're sick. But at the end of the day, we are here for a purpose and Islam helps you fulfill that purpose. And okay. according to Islam, that purpose is to worship God and to serve humanity. Do you know what I find interesting? Yeah. Lots the, of things. The, yeah, actually true. <laughs> yeah. But for the purpose of this one hour, mm. what I find interesting is this, all right? I find it interesting that I know a lot of people uh, that I speak to whether it's in in real life yeah. or in socials socials is also real yeah. life but kind of not yeah not physically with them yeah, yeah. but I know them okay yeah. and they have probably got a thousand paracetamols at home yeah. uh, they probably order out every now and then they've yeah. got a lot of hobbies they love their life everything yeah why on earth are they still coming to imams like me mm. and why are they still curious about Islam that's what I find interesting yeah why do I find that interesting is because it means that despite having everything, they're still looking for something. Something, yeah. What the heck is going on over it? And that's what it is. And I tell yeah. you, this situation is amplified. Why is it amplified right now? And this is something that everyone can relate to. Yeah. So jokes aside, yeah. Now, because Islam relevant, not relevant. Just hold on a second, okay? We'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah. You have people, like I said, who have everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the West, here, London. Pretty relaxed lives, Alhamdulillah. Yeah? yeah, all the grace of God. Palestine. Yeah, we've all been watching it. Yeah, we've seen the conditions. No medic medicine, no water. You're losing someone's losing their child. Yeah. someone's losing their no granddaughter. Housing, no. Their family, their their wealth. They don't know what's happening tomorrow. They don't. If they haven't lost their family, they don't know where they are. Yeah, that could be even worse because it's just plaguing your mind like what 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 what's going on yeah all of that but they still have this determination about them they still have this i would use the word faith about them mm. the the will to stay positive How, and i'm using the word positive because they are doing that they, they're yeah. staying positive and what i've got from people on socials is this that it's normally when people have everything that they're content and they're happy and that's what they want these people have absolutely nothing. Yeah. Yet they look as if they are content with something. Mm. What are they content with? They've just lost everything. Yeah. And you will hear it. Turn on a video of one of these one of these Palestinians. They're Muslims. Yeah. They're people of faith. What are they saying? I, I'll give you the example of that one brother. 
who turns around to, he has a brother and his bro- other brother just passed away yeah. and he's consoling his younger brother saying brother's in a better place he's yeah. gone to who? gone to Allah and inshallah, we will also go there one day too. We'll meet him. And we trust in Allah. Yeah. What is that? Is Allah something you can order on Uber Eats? Is that something that you can pick out of a little cardboard box when you've got a headache? No. What are they talking about? And that, particularly that one thing, what I would label as faith, is why thousands of people in the UK, thousands of people in the UK have started to become curious about Islam yeah. how are these people able to push past such difficulties just how and that's why without even having to argument it yeah. from theology yeah. without even having to reason it from history it's saying what it does in the tin these Muslims are showing you that what they have is irrelevant in their lives are they crazy mm. that they've just lost their mother and instead of being defeated mindset, they're saying, we trust in Allah. Are they crazy that they yeah. are, are going to say that? Yeah. Definitely Islam means something to them. They wouldn't just make that up on the spot. So before we even say what it is, we yeah. know that it is. Yeah. But see, the thing is that these are actual examples of what Islam gives you, right? And why you, we will need Islam till the end of time. And I think that, like you said, there's... A, a lot of people who are curious about Islam and that's because it's like what is this thing that is enabling people to go through the most difficult situations like if there was a scenario that you could create as like the worst possible condition for any human to face mm-hmm. right it's probably going to be what of some, some of the scenes that we're seeing yeah right and these people are just their faith is keeping them sane. It's keeping them through it, and so that is why I like one of these these topics are so important. Is because there's something there. There's something innate. There's something that people are craving. That you know, you see people on social media as well, where they're so unhappy with their lives when they have quote unquote like everything. Right, like you said, the people got you know cars, money, houses, job, like all these things that people strive night and day to acquire. Right, people are after this and say that you know what, I'll I will I will make it once I have this stuff, but they're the most unhappy. They're the ones that are having that that mental health issue of like you know feeling depressed. Yet you're seeing people in the worst worst conditions, and this got a smile on their face. They're positive. They're dealing with it. Why is that? Because of Islam. That's what it is. I think we've already just... Shall we just end the show there? <laughs> <laughs> Job done, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, let's go. You need to come on the show more, man. Good idea. I'm just Look, yeah, we've just spoken in the past hour about capitalism, hmm. about greed, about people. Are, everyone's in a rat race, right? Hmm. Everyone's in this race. But no one questions why we're in the race. Yeah. You just kind of join the race. It's like your mum and dad and be like, Jello, get, get into yeah. the race. Don't ask why, just <laughs> do it. Keep running, yes, keep yes, running, yes, make yes. us proud. Go yeah. on. But see, the thing is, because we don't stop, right? We don't, we think, don't stop. Right? We don't think. Because yeah. it's, it's, that's how fast life is. Yeah. You're just like, bang, go. But have you found yourself in that situation? Like, I, li- I think I went through this the other day when I was just like, we're all going to die one day. Right? Like, I'm getting so stressed about this simple thing. Right? Yeah. You know, there's, there's, there's a life after this and these things 
don't matter as much as I'm making them out to be right now. So you calm down, right? Yeah. Of and it's like it, it, when you start to think these things, like you, you're just like, well, like sometimes I say, oh, no, but I need to, I need to do this. I need, you know, like ah, oh, this is gonna cause this trouble and that's and then I stop and I'm like, yeah, but it'll be okay. What you're trying to say is this, and this is why I love about Islam is irrelevant. If if we had to put everything to the side, mm. this is one teaching of Islam. Just let's just take that for this hour. Just one, yeah. Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said. Live your life as if you are a traveller. There's more to that. I wouldn't even say, yeah. let's not even read the rest of it. Let's just take that. It's not living your life in a suitcase, right? Like, there's more to it. But what that means is, is that this life, this short life, mm. is not our destination. Yeah. This is just the journey yeah. that we need to get to our destination. Are you going to stress about how well you've done in your journey? Or are you going to stress about how good your destination is going to be when you get there? Yeah. This is where we pick and choose. It's kind of like the flight. This world yeah. is the flight, right? Yeah. Do you want to be on a flight and you're really worrying about investing on a nice sofa, nice cushion, yeah. let, me, let me buy something for the flight, let me yeah. buy this for the flight. Is that the only main concern that you're going to have? Or are you going to be more concerned about, more worried about what's waiting for you? What's waiting for you? Or in other cases, are you going to be more excited about it? I love this analogy because I'm just thinking like, that all of that, like flying first class, you know, having the sofa or all of these things, you can't take any of that there. You're not going to take it off the plane and take it with you to the holiday, are you? <laughs> you're not. So it's, it's a great if example for this. If your flight's yeah. been delayed or yeah. you missed your flight, which in yeah. my case has happened a few times. <laughs> um, How do you miss a flight? I've always wondered this. Okay, no. <laughs> what, I didn't what miss do you, a, I mean, you, my flight got cancelled. <laughs> oh, okay, that's Yeah, fine. yeah. I also do know people. <laughs> yeah. Who've missed their flight. If people have missed their flight, they need call they, and they just they tell me a, why. They need a medal. How, how, how uh, you've yeah. done that. All right, cool. <laughs> but if you missed your flight, or your flight's not gone well, all right? Or you bought a suitcase and you just didn't read that you weren't allowed to bring it, okay? <laughs> so now it's sitting on some random cargo somewhere. If that's your flight, are you going to worry about that or are you going to look forward to where you're going to end up? Yeah. Uh, you're going to, I don't know, you're going to Germany. You're going to yeah, Spain. Yeah. Like, are you going to be happy about that? Are you going to let that, that short di- journey let you down? Like, oh man, th- you're still going to be fairly excited. Yeah. Hey, I'm going to touch down, we'll, t- we'll turn things around. Yeah. This is the mindset of a Muslim. Yeah. That trials will come in this short life. And if it was long, but it's short. Yeah. Ultimate destination is with Allah in the hereafter. And that's where everyone's eyes are pinned on as a Muslim. Mm. Therefore, we have a completely different perspective on life, which we can see is emanating very strongly from those who go through trials and tribulations, whether they're the Palestinians, whether they're the Syrians, whether they're yeah. the Yemenis, whoever they are, they have this about them. Yeah. So yes, Islam from that point of view, where, like I said, this is a capitalist state, hmm. where current world offers us wealth. The current world offers us material. And it's not just Muslims, people especially red pill people you know how the red pill movement yeah, nowadays yeah. they just like minimalist people hardcore yeah. hardline they're beginning to realize as well that all of this stuff it's just driving me mad yeah i'm working so hard for all of this and then what yeah and then what i'm i'm still like lost yeah and they real they're not muslims they just it's it's their inner voice that calls this out in them mm. they're not muslims necessarily but what they don't realize is that this is what we call fitratu sahihah. This is what true nature of a, of a human being is. Mm. That it realizes after a point that all of this stuff amasses yeah. to nothing. Yeah. And that's what the Quran says. The Holy Quran says that everything except Allah perishes. Everything that you've attained, all of its worth, all of yeah. its importance, all of its ecstasy, 
all of the euphoria that you get from achieving anything, having anything, it will perish. So when it does, and that high is down, and that high is finished, and you're at low, what then? It says, Allah. Every single day you will find Allah, and you will see Allah, you will observe Allah in a new light. Allah is not something that you will get bored of. That's what Islam promises. So in a time where people live, they, they know the material things are there, but they have it so much, they've been so close and up and personal with materialism, yeah. like never before, that they've been able to see the dark side of it as well. Yeah, They realize it's not everything. So therefore, people are wondering, hey, what, what, is, what is Islam? What's spirituality? What's faith? What yeah. kind of thing does it have to offer? The thing is, especially you, you talked about materialism, and I think that a lot of people think that Islam can't, is not compatible with you know secularism, uh, you know, gender equality, freedom of ex- uh, expression, all these types of things, right? But what we, when it comes to uh, materialism, I think that people are realizing that it's something that is distracting them. That's why you're getting all these red pill move, movements and stuff, right? Like that materialism. This literally, I was uh, someone said to me the other day that people spend all this time they lose their health working hard oh, yeah. to get money right just to spend money on, on improving their health, their health. yeah <laughs> and I just like, when i thought of that i was just like um i was, I was just like what on earth like you, you work your uh, like you work really <laughs> hard right and then you end up having to use That's that hilarious. money and you, you just think like so the materialism is distracting you and this is Islam. I, For me specifically, I'm talking personally here and I'm sure a lot of people can relate to it, is that it reminds me that this, you know, materialism is not the goal. It's not like having these things is just a blessing from God. It's not the goal. Yeah, and uh, I I always think of um, this uh, television show uh, Only Fools and Horses. Um, yeah, where uh, I it's it's really funny in the sense that each episode they're trying to make money, they're trying to make money, and and the ending of it I'm going to spoil it here for anyone who hasn't seen it. Um, so please listen away if you, if it's going to bother you. Is that right at the end they attain all the wealth and they're bored? Yeah, and they and they're purposeful, like they they've got no purpose, and like that's the thing, like. You know, people make materialism and getting these things their purpose, right? And then they lose their purpose. And when they get them, they don't even feel that good. And like, I always like, you know, people ask me silly questions like when they're like, okay, but for a million dollars, or do you do this? Or a million pounds, would you do this? I always think like, no, like these like things, because like, it's not about like that. That isn't the goal here. Like, that's not, I'm not trying to like, if that was all my focus, then yeah, I'd do anything, right? But Islam gives me that identity, that belief, that understanding that it's so much more than that. Islam also promotes something. And this is why I'm saying Islam is relevant today. Hmm. Islam promotes something which is slowly fading from society. And I'm probably going to say this and people will know it's not, but it is. And that is the family unit. Yeah, Islam promotes the family unit and you know what most people question that what does Islam give Mm. and they ask this because they don't realize that what they already have been living in is very similar to Islam Mm. if there is someone who has 
a husband or a wife and they have kids and they're looking after them and they're, they're loving them and they're cherishing them and they're asking, well, what more does Islam have to offer? Mate, yeah. you're living Islam. Yeah. That's what you're living. You just yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. And that's why they would question that because they think it's something separate. But it's not. But what's worrying is that now you have neoliberalism, you have secularism, you have, you mentioned gender equality. Okay, yeah. Islam is, 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 in, is about that. But not to an ultra extreme where you have ultra feminism and things mm. like this. And this is where Islam will really show its true colours. Because Islam is about the family unit. What yeah. does that mean? Ultimately, that means, first of all, that Islam is not about secularism. Secularism is the idea that God does not know what's better for me. Yeah. I know what's better for me. And therefore, let me think about it from my own point of view. I'll do whatever I want. Yeah. And therefore, everybody will do whatever they want. And what's the problem about that? The word is I. Everybody becomes selfish. They start yeah. thinking about themselves. What's better for me? What mm. are my rights? What do I need to have? Da, 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 da. Mm. And a Muslim never thinks like that because he's always been embedded with the idea of what is every, what's better for everyone else? So They don't think humanity. about me. Yeah. They always prioritize other people above themselves. Yeah. That's first of all. So what does that mean? Mm. A single person will be like, hey, why should I get married? Why should I have kids? Yeah. Why should I have a wife? Man, yeah. why, why should I let them for my money? Yeah, why yeah, should yeah. I pay for their rent? Yeah. I'm chilling, man. I'm single. Yeah. I'll get a few girls on the weekend. Yeah. I don't care about them either. Yeah. They can get pregnant. I don't care. That's yeah. their problem. Yeah. yeah. My parents, who cares about them? My parents, I don't care about them. I'm going to visit them once a year maybe. I don't care. Let me go. Let me chill. Secularism. Okay. A Muslim. Oh, yeah. My parents. The Quran said I have an obligation towards them. Yep. Let me go and see if they're okay. Ah, oh, my kids. The, the Quran said that paradise lies under the feet of the mothers. Let me make sure. Let me yeah. make sure that I, I, I go that extra mile. Ah, oh, my society. The Quran talks about the neighbor all the time. It talks about the orphan. The, the, these. Let me think about that. Yeah. Wife. So, already, well, yeah. the Quran versus secularism. Quran prioritizes the family unit, the social mm. unit. It prioritizes it. Secularism prioritizes selfishness. You tell me, do we need more secularism today or do we need more Islam? Let's move on to neoliberalism. Again, mm. the idea that not only do I... Do I know what's better for me instead of God Yeah. but I'm, I've got to do whatever I want I'm, I'm free yeah. I'm not bound by any responsibility by any duty Yolo, right? to anybody mm. I'm also not bound to ideas I'm not bound to gender roles for example I'm not bound to identities mm. I can be whatever I want and let me tell you right now Muslims are not the only ones that are standing against this because they're terrified of it in New York, a couple of months ago, the biggest protests happened there in the name of tackling neoliberalism. Mm. And barely any of them were Muslims, the people that turned out. Why? All of them are in favor of traditional family units. Yeah. And they probably wonder, what has Islam got to offer? What they are talking about is Islam. Yeah. What they are talking about protecting is Islam. They just don't know that's what it's called. Yeah. Islam is about the family unit. When you have ideas about feminism, which we talk about, great. You liberated women. Islam also liberated women. We, we, we don't want to talk about right now exactly yeah. what, who did what, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But we know that it did. Gave them the right to just be human beings. Okay, But when you consistently promote the idea to the, to the degree that a woman is even better off neglecting 
her duties primarily as a as a mother, for example, yeah. or as someone, as Islam puts it, to make sure that they raise the progeny of, of the future properly and protect their household. Yeah. You put that to the side and just prioritize work. Go, go work. Go to yeah. the job. Go to the job. Go to the job. Go, go and work your nine to five. Yeah. Then what you're doing is you're breaking the family unit because every nine to five where there is that mother there, she's not at home. Yeah. And while that's great for a secular society, while that's great for a capitalist society, mm. while that's great for more the woman money, because money. she's thinking about herself, mm. it's not great for the family unit. It's mm. not great for the society. And I don't care. Mm. I don't care if secularism is all about thinking about you, what's good for you. If that's what you want, go ahead. You'll see the consequences of it. Yeah. Islam has never been, will never be the framework that will say, think about what's good for you. Yeah. It will never be that. It will say, think about what's good for your family and mm. those around you. Yeah. That's why these ideas, although they sound nice, Islam will not just promote them. Yeah. And so many people around the world are standing up today and saying, hey, this makes sense. We need exactly. to have values. We need to have disciplines. We can't just abolish yeah. all frameworks and say anybody can be anything. Anyone can do whatever they want. Yeah. Anybody and we can are, feel and We are fast seeing um, the repercussions of that today. Yeah. How... Things are becoming illogical. Yeah, uh, uh, Islamic, there's, I mean, there's a reason to this, right? So there's, there's a reason why you're not supposed to be selfish is because one, you won't find what you're actually looking for. Two, there's God is the all-knowing, and when I say all-knowing, think about that, right? This is in in infinite, 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 right? That means that there are things that you can't even comprehend that God has thought of. Right, absolutely, and I think that um, the other thing that I wanted to say is that I, I was reading this post on uh, Instagram that was going around, and it was saying that um, a teacher asked everybody to write their name on a balloon. These thirty, forty quid, forty kids, not quids. <laughs> um, they write their name on a balloon, and then they threw all of them in a, in, a, in one room, and their task was to find their balloon. They're looking around, looking around, looking around. Inst- after a while. The teacher said, look, why doesn't everybody take the balloon they've got and go hand it to the person, right, that, that's on their name? Everybody got their balloon in literally a couple of minutes. That's it. It's the, the thinking of the others, right? It's the mindset right? thing. It's the mindset. It's the, like, if you're so worried about yourself all the time and you're so focused on yourself, so, like, and how you feel and, my you rights know, and my, my rights and my freedom. And and you, you're just... And, and we're seeing it in capitalism as we were discussing earlier, right? If you just constantly, you know, I just want to amass as much money as I possibly can, right? You, it's, it's, it's like a lot of people say, like, you know, if I make it, I want my friends to make it as well, right? Because yeah. there's no one to enjoy it with, right? Like, And this is where Islam is so perfect in the sense that it puts in a system where everybody can be content. Everybody can have what they want. That's right. This is ultimately and, what it is. And we need it more than ever today, right? So, yeah. yeah. Again, Islam comes down to balance. We're not saying that a Muslim lady, for example, for instance, shouldn't work. But yeah. she would be very conscious that she has other obligations, other duties, and that which comes first and which comes second. Prioritization. A, a man will also be thinking, hey, there's some things I could do, some things I can't do. But yeah. ultimately, I'm not free to decide. We have a framework before us. Mm. This is how we will do it. That's what Islam brings. Discipline, purpose, framework. Is yeah. this discipline, purpose, framework? Discipline, purpose, framework. That's what Islam is constantly drilling into mm. society. And people are now terrified. That's what we're losing. Yeah. We're losing our sanity. But are you not seeing like all of this like self-help stuff on- online that's always like consistency, consistency? You know, like it's... it's 
I feel like people are searching for Islam without realizing that's what, that exactly it's right there. They, they, they want, they're asking for it. They, they, they're screaming for it. Yeah. They, they just don't know that that's, that's the barcode it comes with. You have to Honestly, scan this barcode. I've listened to so many podcasts where literally if you take down what the expert, like I was listening to something about the happiness expert the other day, right? Like what he thinks on, on and he said like gratitude, right? Is, is like the source of happiness and like you see all these self affirmations this is already taught to you in Islam yeah <laughs> like you know there's and it's so complete right where's like you know I want to be grateful for this I want to be grateful for that if you look at the translation of the Quran I mean of the of the prayer right the, the five daily prayer that we do it covers everything that you would possibly want to be grateful for you're absolutely right and it's like <laughs> people are looking everywhere for this and it's literally staring them in the face that's right you're absolutely right it's, it is like that mm. where you get you go to work in an employment they have mindfulness sessions awareness yeah. sessions to the point where some employers are now having like 30 minute breaks every single day just yeah. for that why what are they missing yeah. I mean we've been doing that for years honestly I just think that it's something that people are searching for they can't see it and I think that it's it's a as a marketer. I think it's because people have sold Islam in a very different light. They've Possibly. missold it. They've missold it. That's the correct term. They've missold. Some people have tried to make it out that it's something that it's not. Sorry, right? I was just imagining someone's going to call me up. Have you missold Islam? <laughs> <laughs> you get twenty thousand pounds back. <laughs> have you been? <laughs> but yeah, no. I, like I just think, and and that's where the promise society comes into it as well, right? Like where it's this need, like because one of the things when I was looking into this topic, I was. A lot of people say that oh, there's so many different, um, you know, uh, interpretations of Islam. Right? There's no one person will say this, one person will say that, and I think that that's where the Prophet Society, the uh, founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, is was needed and has come and has provided that. Um, that and this is what people are looking for Muslim or not I think that people are constantly looking for this and Islam is needed it will be needed till the end of time right and it is needed today and honestly you just need to you need to see it if you look for it I've honestly especially over the last few years even like each year I feel like it's, it's developed more in me is that in everything I do I try to think about Islam right and what would Islam say about this? And not, not to the point where I see some people where they're like, would Islam allow that? Would Oh, you can't have that. That's haram. This, this, that's halal. And it's about the system of principles of Islam. How would it tackle this problem? How would it, how would it guide me to do this? And once you start to do that, it opens up so much. I feel so much more content from it in the sense that I'm never like, oh, okay, how, oh, you know, I do stress over things as much mm. because I know that there is an answer. I just don't know the answer yet. That's right. And I just need to look for it. And my journey to look for it, I will learn so much and I will then, that this is me growing. Yeah. And, and, and that's why I end up enjoying it. That sounds like a shot, man. 
Oh wait, I'm already Muslim. Sorry, forgot from you. You weren't missile, right? No, I hope not, man. But yeah, this is this is what it's all about. Like I said, discipline, framework, purpose. People people want this, and they want a, a guidebook to go to. They want some rules to exist. People feel very uncomfortable when there are not really rules per se. You now have, for example, I think in Texas, uh, we don't normally talk about this, but we will. Okay. We have a, a swimmer, 50-year-old male swimmer, who identifies as a woman. And he, I'm going to say he, okay, is part of a 12-year-old girl's swimming club and swims and changes and dresses with them. Yeah. And it's not even me. It's the people over there that have raised this concern to the police and yeah. to other, and it's become a case and... And that's their concern. Yeah. And I'm here sitting thinking that, okay, that's their concern. That's what they think. They, they don't like, they don't agree with that. Right. They, they feel like, hey, we don't think that it's okay that a male should come and swim in a girl's team. Yeah. Why? They gave two reasons. They say, because first of all, that's not a, a female. Yeah. That's, not, that's the first reason. Second of all, that person is not a, a child. It's an adult. So that's, they say that, that from two points of view, it makes absolutely yeah. zero sense. Age but, and gender but issue. But the, yeah. the, the thing is, okay, that's how they feel. But if they don't have a framework, they don't have a rule book, how do they argue it? Yeah. Because if they're going to go by neoliberalism, the rule book is, hey, he can do whatever he wants. Yeah. If they're going to go by secularism, it's like, man, why are you challenging him? He knows what's yeah. best for him. So they, they feel lost. They're like, okay, well, our own ideology doesn't allow us to argue against <laughs> this. Like, okay. Yeah. Uh, Everybody should be allowed to do what whatever do we do they then? want. Where, where do we go? <laughs> Islam... By the grace of Allah, hasn't shifted its boots. It still stands yeah. where it stands on every single issue that it stood on fifteen hundred years yeah. ago. And it's not circling back, no, which, not. which you're seeing a lot of. It's things. not folding, basically. Yeah. yeah. So what do we have in Islam? You obviously have criteria that hey, this is not acceptable, and this is acceptable, and that's something that you can argument off or on for or against. Yeah. A secular state with liberalist ideas. You will find it very difficult to first of all argue, and second of all to draw the line, yeah. because when there's nothing to argue on, where do you draw the line? But what about this? What's yeah? So, to, <laughs> for example, you know, decades ago, um, and this is the case here in Britain as well, homosexuality would have been a crime. Yeah. Or elsewhere around the world would be much worse even. Today, not a crime, and you know, back then people would have thought. Why? Let's just legalize it. What's wrong with it? Yeah. It's all right. This is his choice, man. He wants to do do it. Yeah. It's his personal thing. Yeah. He's not harming anybody. Yeah. So they, it's allowed. Now it's allowed. Did they not think that when they would allow something, on the basis of the fact that someone can do whatever they want because it's not harming anybody and it's fine, huh. that basically they're allowing, they're opening the Pandora's box to yeah. anything, anything at all, as long as not the premise is that it doesn't harm anything. Yeah. That means you can do something, become something that genuinely isn't true. You can do something, become something that genuinely isn't of any benefit to anybody. Yeah. What? Where do we draw the line? So this is the question that we now ask as Muslims. Mm. You've done this, you've done this, what's next? Yeah. And I kid you not, yeah, probably a decade ago there were Muslim scholars asking, hey, this is what's happening in society right now. Probably a decade from now, probably 20 years from now, they're going to allow bestiality. They're going to allow... Pedophilic stuff They're going to allow Infidelity They're going to allow So many more crazy things And not just on the sexual spectrum Many other things Mate 
it's starting to happen. Yeah. Like some of this is starting to happen. Some offline, some in darkroom forums, but they're becoming things. Look at the porn industry. They're they're basically capitalizing on all of this. Mm. What the hell is going on? And this is how I can say for sure that I absolutely value the fact that we have Islam. Because it drew the line at the right time when it needed to. And if anybody is out there listening who reasons with this, mm. you're, you, 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 are, you don't need to wonder, does Islam have value? You already agreed with it. Yeah. This is what Islam is bringing. It's bringing that discipline, that framework and a purpose. Yeah. And it's, it's, it goes down to the too much of a good thing is a bad thing as well. Right, like you know, you can ha- vitamins are good for you, vegetables are good for you, but if you have too much of it, it's it's going to negatively impact you, right? And that's where I think that Islam is so complete that way that you just offended so many vegans. <laughs> no, I'm, <laughs> I'm saying whatever, like oh, if they only eat vegetables and like literally nothing else, right? Like as in, there's no like what else are they gonna eat, man? <laughs> <laughs> vegans bro <laughs> I didn't say vegans oh. I say vegetarian but uh, no what I'm trying to say is too much of a good thing like literally it doesn't matter how good it is for you if you only yeah. get your diet or get your source from one thing it will like th- that extreme I'm talking about extremes yeah. here yeah. I'm like uh, so and so, <laughs> so um and too much of a good thing can be a, is always a bad thing, right? You need to not, find yeah. the middle way. Right? But that's what Islam's about. Yeah, that's why that's, Islam is not about veganism, for example. Yeah, it says. <laughs> but, go, but that's what I was trying to say is that like Islam says, go the middle way. That's right. right? Don't go too on any extreme, whether that's, right. that's good or bad. Exactly. And I think that sometimes people try so hard to get good. It's usually in good intentions, yeah, right? Of to be it like is. you know. I want people to be happy. I don't want to hurt anyone. I, get I don't. Want, yeah, I, get I get that, it right? It's 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 coming from a good place. But what you're not understanding is that you know, like for example, let's say with children, right? You say, oh, you know what? I don't want my like son or daughter to feel like um, too trapped. So I'm gonna let them run around and do whatever they want, right? And you know, even upstairs, if they're by the stairs, you know, I don't want to tell them off. Or I don't want to pull them back because you know, yeah. I don't want to hurt them. But when they go flying down the stairs because you didn't pull them back or show them that, then what are you going to feel then? Right? Mm. And I think that that's where it's, I know it comes from a good place, but there is a middle way. And That's Islam where liberalism that fails to actually look at the true objective. Yeah. That's where liberalism, liberalism forgets that there are other things to worry about yeah. sometimes, not just about what's nicer. Yeah. And that's exactly what Islam says. There's, there's going to be rules, mate. Mm. Sometimes you have to do stuff, sometimes you won't have to do yeah. it. And and this is ultimately the theme of, and why Islam though? Because there's probably a lot of other religions that do mm. this. And I'll give you just one answer. Islam never folded. We've already mentioned this. Islam yeah. never folded. Look, we've never changed. And I don't even think I need to argue with this, any listener. They will know. We, we're so... We're so backwards. We're so unorthodox. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've never we're barbarians. Oh, yeah, yeah. So we've never changed our ways. Yes, we've never changed our ways. And they've done us good. Yeah. By the grace of Allah, it's done us good. So this is Islam. The relevance of Islam today is this that it is now currently the fastest growing religion of the world. That's first mm-hmm. of all its relevance. Its relevance is this that by twenty sixty it will be the biggest religion in the world. That's mm-hmm. its relevance. Its relevance is this that now slowly but surely amongst other Muslim countries, the affluence, uh, the financial status of Muslim countries is ever growing. Mm. That we can, they cannot be ignored. Yeah. And yes, 
there's a reason behind that and the fact the 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 importance of islam is this is that you will see that although they're the ones called the terrorists it's always muslim countries that are being attacked right now hmm. all of the muslim countries that are in the news right now are the ones that are being attacked they're the ones who are being perpetrated against why what is everyone so worried about and there will be exactly. a lot of people say who say hey it's all geopolitical hmm. it is geopolitical correct but ultimately and that is hazm mirza tahir ahmed rahimahullah the fourth caliph the fourth of, caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community he spoke about this because this is a relevant topic I'll bring it up he said that look Zionists they will ultimately try to take over the world this is their one world order scheme hmm. and they will not stop to the point where they would even try to take Jerusalem as we can see today seems to be the case well, by whatever means necessary by the way but that's not it they won't they will not stop there they would also love to take Makkah yeah. they would also love to take Medina but the, the the hadith of the Prophet has literally said that the Dajjal, the, the Antichrist, will not be able to enter Makkah and Medina. So that's a prophecy there, hmm. vouchsafing, protecting it. But that's the objectives of, of, of who these people are. This is their intentions. Hmm. They want to dominate Islam as well. Islam is something that the Zionism, everything is afraid of. Because what? Because we have these values, because we have this thing where we are always able to come back and say, hey, don't forget your roots. This is where we draw the line. This is not right. Yeah. No, it's not just that. It's just like uh, resilience in the sense that understanding that it's beyond this, right? Like it's, you know, a lot of, a lot of politicians, for example, are just like controlled by the fact that, you know, They've got to think about the people funding them, the people backing them. And, you know, or like people will be like, oh, you know what? I want to take this away from you or I'm going to take your house away from you. I'm going to... Like there's these threats of like it's like when there's the whole superhero thing, like, you know, they often don't have a love interest because if they do, then they'll be weak because someone will be able to take that and make them cripple. Right. But that's where it's different with Islam is that you understand your purpose, you understand that God is above all of this and that your religion, that your purpose for being alive is beyond all of this. And I think that's what's scary to a lot of people. But it's never something that's going to make someone attack you or to come at you. It's something that will just help them be at peace. And it can give everybody peace if they see it, if they actually understand that. Cool. I think that's a lot of a lot of information. Let's, <laughs> let's take it from a slightly more easy angle now because how old are you, by the way, Fame? Me, I'm 35. Oh, you're old. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I look older than you, man. But I'm 29. I was, I, was, I had to remember. That that's crazy. how old you are, man. Yeah. How has Islam been relevant to you? How has it been relevant to me? Okay. In my uh, short time on this earth. <laughs> Not that short, man. <laughs> Um, I have found that Islam has guided me through pretty much everything and you know I can sit there and say that and you know as as a proud Muslim as a proud Ahmadi Muslim but um, it actually is I it was helping me even when I didn't realise it and I think that that's where you really have to look for it you have to understand it you have to look for it because you can you can see that 
it actually impacts you in so many ways and you know how like often um so often you you think oh your parents are telling you something and you're just like oh god like you know they, there they go again you know they're saying the same thing over and over again until you become a parent right <laughs> like are you a parent yeah, yes okay uh, until you become a parent you don't realize that actually half of those things that your parents are saying um you you'll realize why they said it and what what is the purpose of it and the other half uh, you can just forget right <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I I just think that you really truly understand Islam more and more um, when you look for it. When you and what was remind me of the the, the question that you asked me because I feel like I'm going off on a tangent. How has Islam affected you in your life? So it's given me purpose. It's given me guidance in every single situation. What's your purpose? My purpose uh, is to worship God so my consistency and to understand and build that relationship with him uh and to serve humanity and for me um this is why I do this this show this is why I do a lot of the work that I do in the community or with charities is to serve humanity and that's why I try to help and you know my aim is to to be here talking to you right now the reason why I'm here and I come here every week also is because even if I can help one person through one bit of struggle I would feel like I did my purpose here and I think that that's so you're, where, you're kind of saying that your purpose of serving God and worshipping God is that one way of that is also helping people yeah but how do you link the two things how so what do you mean how do I link the two things so how is helping people also serving your purpose of like, because you're helping work. God's creation right and you're you for me I feel like it makes me value what I have it makes me understand why I'm here that at the end of the day you you I'll ask anyone I'll challenge anyone if you want to call right like if when you did something for someone else right purely for just the sake of doing it wasn't that probably one of the best feelings you ever felt and I think that that's where service to humanity, helping others is something that I have learned through Islam. And then therefore, that's how it's helped my life. Mm-hmm. Would you say that there are people who don't necessarily need to be Muslim to do any of that? Mm, no, I, I'm not saying that it's the o- like it's the only way you can be a good person. I'm saying that Islam is a framework that enables you to do it once you understand it properly. Do you know what I think? Yeah, I think I when they, I think when they're doing that, that's Islam. No, but that is yeah. I hear that. But what I'm trying to say is that it's it's of course it's, it's it's Islam because it's the same thing. But what I'm trying to say is that Islam gives you this perfectly rounded template, this system that is not from any man. It's from God. And I think that they, it helps you think about things that you could not have considered, or you could have not have, like even comprehended, that there is an answer for everything. How about you? How has Islam impacted your life? And like you know, how, why do you why do you believe in that statement of Islam is needed? Wow. Okay. I didn't see that question coming. <laughs> Obviously, I didn't. <laughs> it's in the title. Man, you know what? I, I'll come at this from a just simply a logical approach at the moment. If you just take 
the basic thing that Muslims do, which is five daily prayers. Yeah. Man, that changed your life. And not from the way that you think. I'm not talking about just spirituality and faith and all of that. I'm talking about, bro, you need to wake up in the morning, yeah? Yeah. Sometimes at 4 a.m., 5 a.m., 6 a.m., whatever, yeah? And after like a bit, if you stick to it, if you stick to it, it becomes not that difficult. Yeah. Like, it's, it's all right. It's like, okay, yeah. Okay. My, my body's used to it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, come with Zohar, with the, with the, the, the afternoon prayer, the evening yeah. prayer. Your, your bo- over years, yeah, like you don't even realize it from the age of whatever time you started, 8, 9, 10, 11, whatever, hmm. to the age of 20, 25, 30, what? You've been training yourself every day to do things on time. Yeah. Step one. My mind is accustomed to doing things on time. Because that's what we, if, if you pray five times a day on time, that's what you end up thinking like. That's mm. how you end up behaving. Oh, people complaining, oh, I have to wake up by five, eight o'clock in the morning. <laughs> oh, no, bro, that's sick. Like, <laughs> I don't mind that. So That's a lion for me. <laughs> so the thing is, for me, the most successful people in the world, number one, are those who wake up on time. Mm. They wake up early, they wake up energized, they wake up charged. Yeah. That's what Islam first of all gave me, yeah. the ability <laughs> to just do that, yeah? And not feel weird about it, not feel yeah. find it difficult. And I found that time to be the most proactive time in my life. Mm. Fajr time, after that, you do any work, you do any brainstorming, yeah. you do any kind of work, that's the time. But people usually wouldn't be asked to get up at that time unless they absolutely had to. Yeah. And Muslims have to. <laughs> okay? yeah. They have to wake up at that time. Yeah. So this is from a, from a very logical perspective. The one thing that I have characteristically been instilled with because of what Islam gave me. Yeah. And then I know, as a Muslim, okay, there's prayer time. So I need to segment my day. I can't just say, hey, man, um, I've got a task. I'll just do it over the next few hours. Yeah, I can't yeah. think like that. I've got to think like, hey, I've got a task. Yeah. And the afternoon prayers are this time. So I need to get this done within that time. Or if I can't, I need to segment the rest of the day. I'm basically able to do that because of the th- way I think about my prayers. Yeah. Okay. Pretty structured to your day. Your day is split into five d- yeah. different portions. Step portion one, we'll do this. Portion two, we're gonna do that. Discipline is what I'm talking yeah. about here. And unless you don't have a reason to be disciplined, or you don't have a framework, it's 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 very easy to not not do it. Oh, hundred percent. And you just start being very monotonous in the way you approach your tasks. Unproductive. You go throughout your whole day, and you don't actually look back, and you're like, whatever I achieved today. Yeah, but like, have you have you had those days where you've like had a lazy day, right? And you've like, well, you done it. Not pray at all. Like we've done. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm talking about we have done nothing, right? Like where, like where you're just like you know what I'm just you know it's holidays or whatever where you just felt like I haven't achieved anything. No, like I'll do that on a day where I haven't been praying properly. Right. Okay. So you're saying that the the prayer gives you if that. If I'm lazy with my prayers, yeah. No, that's a day where I'm unproductive. Yeah. No, I I hear for me, that's me, man. Yeah, yeah. No, I hear that. But what I'm saying here is that with even on the days where you do nothing and you're lazy and you you just chill out, yeah, this this framework is here to stop you from being completely. I I hear that as well like, because you know why that's important. There are people who are going through phases like that and they're trying to find like, you know, it's very hard to get back into productivity. Yeah, because you feel like you have to be either a hundred or zero. Yeah, it's it's very hard to be it's like this perfectionism. It's, it's very that hard are to chasing, be okay yeah. with twenty percent, thirty percent. But what the thing about praying five times a day is that even that in itself gives you so much fulfillment as a task. But it's, it's small, consistent steps is better than doing something amazing. Actually, that's a, that's a hadith Islam, of the prophet. Right? Yeah, he said that a small deed, albeit consistent, is far greater than a big deed, which is basically done just barely. Exactly. So that's what five daily prayers gives you. Beyond just spirituality, hmm. it defines you as a disciplined character. That's what it does. Yeah. So in my childhood when I 
when I really didn't not only understand but not really grasped or care much about spirituality as a framework because you're just too young you don't you don't really you're like whatever man you know, yeah. I'm playing my games of whatever. Yeah, yeah. In that point, subliminally, Islam is still nurturing you. You don't even realize it. It's making you into a certain type of person, yeah. punctual, disciplined. Yeah. Not only are you doing that, but if you're praying at the mosque five times a day, and you are a kid, so you can at least pray a few times a day, yeah. is building you in a different way as well. You are going to the mosque, you're meeting people, you're talking to people, you're probably going to end up attending some classes, making friends, whatever, whatever, whatever. You're also being built socially as well. Yeah. And at that time, you don't even realize it. Yeah. Well, the loneliness pandemic that's this yeah. striking the UK, right? Like if everybody fulfilled their obligation of going to the prayer, to the mosque for prayers, it would eradicate that, right? Because you would naturally I mean, become friends. Yeah, right? Loneliness, Hazem Rizam Asriyam actually mentioned this about Eid. Eid mm. is a, a celebration that Muslims do twice a year. But technically, they do it every week because the Friday... Yeah, prayers are also considered a minor Eid. Yeah, and he said that. Listen, um, Eid means happiness. He didn't say listen. That's what I said. <laughs> yeah, he, he said Eid. You're paraphrasing. Eid here, means yeah. a happiness that constantly returns. But what is happiness? It's happiness that you on Eid dress up nicely. Yeah, have some nice food, meet your friends. Yeah, meet your family. Is that it? No, that's not everlasting happiness. That's not a returning happiness that stays yeah. with you. What's a happiness? That you go out somewhere on Eid and you see a child or you see someone and you give them what we call Eid or a gift yeah. and you see this happiness on their faces that's the true happiness so what a Muslim lifestyle constantly reminds us about as well is, is that there's also another way of character building which we've already mentioned now in the past hour a Muslim lifestyle what it has given me is that constant reminder that I'm really not going to be that happy if I think in a selfish way. Even our celebrations, which are supposed to be about technically making yeah. yourself happy, are not about making ourselves yeah, happy. Like it's about making celebrate. someone else happy. Yeah, like most people celebrate. They're like, it's all about me today, guys. No, no, like, you know, yeah. you need to turn up here. You need to do the, you know, it's often me, 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 me. But, but either than about is, me, 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 yeah. me, me. Uh, th- that's the thing. Yeah. So it's a constant reminder. So when you ask me, what did Islam give me? Hmm. I'm not going to try and tell you from a non-tangible way what did it give me yeah. oh it gave me faith oh it gave me yeah. spirituality I know what that means yeah. but a person on the opposite end probably doesn't know yeah. what that means hmm. what they know is discipline what they know is character building what they know is strategy what they know is compliance punctuality being productive Yeah, and these are tangible things which literally if you just pray five times a day you will have it start with one even right like if you're not praying yep. right like start with one keep that consistency right like because i think that it's really important what you're saying here is that yes these are practical things and for me like i think that the contentment that i get is because of all of this understanding this i'm a very like you know i think a lot right i think about things deeply uh you know i'm creative like so i, I, I feel are like a conspiracy theorist <laughs> No, like I, honestly, but maybe I could have been if I didn't have Islam. <laughs> like you know, because the, for me, like it grounds me. It makes me feel like I will understand everything. I just don't have that knowledge yet. It's like this. It explains. I mean, me you're, you're basically okay with not understanding everything. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> because I know that the answer is there. Because often a lot of people are searching for the answer, 
and they're like I need this answer whereas I'm like yo the answer's there right yeah. I just haven't found it yet and I will maybe that's it. that's the step anyway man people right. are still searching for the question yeah exactly. they don't even know what the question is <laughs> yeah so Muslims their, their question is yeah. hey God is our creator how do I understand him better yeah. and that's how I'm going to understand my purpose yeah. that's the question <laughs> and then the answer is everything Islam teaches yeah so we have another question we also know how to get to the answer and yeah. we're not stressed in that sense we know there's a process and we just follow it and we yeah. trust that yeah. and yeah you just relax man just like chill <laughs> that's how we chill yeah like um, that's why I personally value Islam beyond that Islam gives me a framework in family life which you yeah. already mentioned that yeah. it gives you that discipline family unit Hmm. You need that. I, I was reading a statistic where it said, and this is not a dig at anybody in particular, but it said that the most unhappiest people on earth, statistically speaking, are 35-year-old women who are employed with no marriage, you know, no no family unit. They're in a middle mid-level job. They're the most unhappy people. Right. It doesn't say why. I don't hmm. know. Maybe yeah, I, I didn't. Maybe I, but the thing is, it makes you wonder. Yeah. Islam did bring certain things which were a bit different to that. Yeah. What is it? So that's where I think Islam can give value to people. If you have, there's no harm in trying it. Yeah. If you if you if you are have if you are the kind of person that has everything, where you have enough had en- had enough of everything, let's put it that way. <laughs> so what's the harm? Try this lifestyle, man. Yeah. Everybody's everyone's like, hey, let me try this diet. Let yeah, me try yeah. keto. Let me try this lifestyle. Let me go. Let me try CrossFit. Yeah. Don't try CrossFit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, if, if if the Messiah came to break the cross it, one of them should have been crossfit <laughs> but, but I'm just saying people are so happy to try different lifestyles and let me be like this let me be a, a vegan let me let me be a minimalist yeah why is it all of a sudden so barbaric to say let me be let me try Islam yeah but why is everybody always trying things right because they're searching for like yeah. you said the question but they won't they won't why not try this though because I, I honestly feel like everybody thinks that religion specifically Islam is something that will confine you and like this is what what I don't understand it will liberate you it yeah. will make you understand your... everybody's a slave to something and if, if you're not afraid to, a slave to anything you're a slave to freedom yeah yeah, yeah so I like that we yeah. have to think about what we want to submit to and mm. Muslims submit to Allah yeah. anyway that is the end of the show in a couple of seconds um, I've enjoyed it a lot I hope people at home have enjoyed it I hope we don't get complaints but if we do, then we'll see about that. But inshallah, we'll be back every single Monday to Friday, drive time, four to six live show. And we'll see you then, inshallah, for new topics, new conversations, probably new presenters. <laughs> Until then, assalamu alaikum wa and peace be upon you all.